This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selke, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, where we are in season five entitled Mindset for Execution. As thrilled as I have been for every episode this season, I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty excited about who we're going to be able to welcome onto the show today, which is Miles Boykin. Um, Just graduated from the University of Notre Dame. He was a wide receiver for us here for Notre Dame football and recently drafted by the Baltimore Ravens to go in to pursue his dream of playing in the NFL. And while I am so excited for Miles and for where he is in his athletic endeavor, what I am most excited for today is for you all to be able to get to see a little glimpse of the amazing mind and heart of a young man who I have had the fortune of watching grow over the last couple years into the pro that he is today. And as you'll see, I mean, shoot, this didn't start two years ago when we started our work together, but this is just part of who he is and how he's wired. And so I am just so excited to dive in to hear him talk about his own development mentally and emotionally, uh, both as a man and as a football player, and his experience experiences at Notre Dame and his experiences beyond. So a uh, quick little intro of Miles. So he's from Tinley Park, Illinois. And during his season, senior season at Notre Dame, um, he actually led the team during the regular season with 803 receiving yards on 54 catches and eight touchdowns. And just really set the tone for us in terms of leadership, presence, preparation. And so going 12-0 and is very difficult, as you all are very, very well aware. But it doesn't happen accidentally, and it doesn't happen with incredible leaders like Miles. And so while we can talk about his statistics and all the catches and, and his career in general, what, again, I'm most excited for you all to see and hear is just the mindset that he's built, the intentionality with which he pursues athletics, academics. He just graduated with a degree in marketing from the Mendoza College of Business, which is one of the number one ranked business schools in the country. And so incredible for him just on all fronts and where he is in life. But that's what gets me so jacked up at the Sulking Performance Group, right? So we get to work with individuals from the locker room to the boardroom to really understand the the power of mindset and leadership to help people show up on a more consistent basis as the best versions of themselves. And so I don't want to keep talking because I am just thrilled to get into this conversation with Miles. Um, But again, keep your ear tuned. How does he think? How does he function? How did he go about preparing himself through the quiet years of his college career into the launching pad as a professional football player? All right. It is with extreme honor and excitement I get to introduce to you Miles Boykin. Miles, thank you so much for being here with us today. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, my man. Third round pick to the Baltimore Ravens. How does that feel to officially be taking the next step in the pursuit of your dreams? Um, It was awesome just for me. Uh, You know, obviously the whole process, the NFL draft process is crazy. I mean, it's 
Um, I wouldn't say it's fun in a way until after you get drafted, but uh, it's definitely a relief. It's a blessing and an honor to be able to play in the NFL. So tell us a little bit, it's a crazy process. What was that process like and how did you go about it mentally and emotionally? Well, yeah, so you're kind of sitting on pins and needles since the last game. So ever since, you know, the playoff game, you know, I hadn't touched a football and hadn't really been on a football field unless I was running routes. But even then, I'm just running it by myself. Um, and pretty much that whole time, you're just getting evaluated to see, you know, whether you're going to get drafted or not, where you're going to get drafted, um, what team fits you. Um, and they check out every part of your life, your background. I mean, they go as far back as middle school to ask you some certain things. And uh, they certainly dig into your college history and what you did on the field, ask your coaching staff about you. And, you know, it, it's really just, you know, a process that kind of wears you down over time just because, you know, you're interviewing, you're putting on an interview for yourself every single day, no matter who you're talking to. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, like even like the combine, the combine, they keep you up for, you know, maybe 13, 14 hours a day and you only get like six hours of sleep and you're just always on the move, uh, traveling from place to place. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it's it was worth it. You know, all that hard work is always worth it. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be where I am today. Any questions in that combine digging uh, trip you up or make you nervous? Um, I wouldn't say that someone caught me off guard. Like they'd ask me certain things, like you know, if I was on an island, what three things would I bring with me? Like they asked me something like that. And what were those? Uh, <laughs> I think I said, oh wow, it was so long ago. I know I said um, food. Oh yeah, food, water, and a football. They always want you to put football in the answer, so I was like, oh, whatever. Even though I wouldn't bring a football. With me. <laughs> So uh, I think I could think of something, you know, better than a football. Uh, I'm trying to think of other things they ask me. They just ask you kind of things that don't really pertain to football. Like they'll ask you, um, they'll ask you, you know, what your favorite food is, uh, you know, what's your favorite drink, just things that don't really pertain to football. Just see how you kind of just, you know, handle being in a pressured situation. And you know what I what I appreciate and respect about you and the opportunity I've had to see you grow and develop over the last couple years here at Notre Dame um, is that you didn't have anything to be nervous about because you weren't hiding anything. Um, you've been committed to living a lifestyle of excellence for as long as I've known you, which has only been two years, but really for as long as you've been alive because you don't get to where you are with the type of maturity and perspective and groundedness uh, without that having been a part of how you've lived your life for for as long as you've probably been around. So talk to us a little bit about, from your perspective, the importance of that type of consistency. You know, we've got a lot of listeners out there that are either coaches or uh, business professionals or even some athletes, you know, that are listening to this, that are wondering, Hmm, do the choices I make today really matter for 10 years from now or five years from now in my future? And I think that that's been a question that you've thought about in your life. And so talk to us about you know choices today and the importance of those for our future goals. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is that you have to realize you're not going to be perfect, You know, whether it's as a person, as an athlete, or whatever you're doing in the real world. I think that's the most important thing for me to recognize. And one of my favorite things that I've always heard you say was uh, it's important to be aware so you can enhance yourself. So, I mean, where you are now, where you are going to be 10 years from now, isn't where you want to be. I'm not where I want to be 10 years from now, but I'm making strides to become that. So I think it's important that, that your growth is on par with what you want to do. So for me, I think it was just important to uh, know that, you know, just because I got drafted doesn't mean everything changes for me. You know, I had to do things to get drafted, and the things that got me drafted, I have to continue doing in order to, you know, play in this league. So I think one of the one of the biggest things for me was just, um, you know, just being consistent in you know my attitude. Uh, you know, 
um, my persistence and what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to play in the NFL. And you don't just say, okay, I'm playing in the NFL. Boom, there it is. You know, talent, everybody has talent in the league. But the thing that really sets people apart is their character, mindset, and just the type of person they are. You know, there's, uh, you know, the world needs good people and so does the NFL. You know, it's just like any other type of business. So um, I would tell people that the most important thing is just working each day to get better. Be a better you than the, day, than the person you were yesterday because, you know, at the end of the day, if you look back and say you got better, it's always a win. Can you see why I love working with this young man? He's got such a grounded perspective, and I, I really love that. And you are such a strong model, you know, to everybody in, in our team here at the University of Notre Dame um, in terms of what it looked like to show up every day committed to those goals. And what I think is fascinating about your story, Miles, that I'd love to hear from your perspective is that really prior to this last year, I mean, you weren't unknown, but you weren't like, the hype of media all the time. I mean, you came in, you redshirted as a freshman. Um, you had a couple catches your sophomore year. Junior year, you had a really good year, but you doubled your catches basically in our Citrus Bowl game against against LSU before that incredible catch and the, and the MVP award. And then went into this last season where we went undefeated in the regular season as the, the man. You know, and then and then third round draft pick, right? So from seemingly unknown, let's I'm putting that in quotes here as we're sitting here together, to to a third round pick, what was your mindset and perspective as you went through all of those years to being to where you are now? Yeah, I think it's all about perspective. Um, you know, not everything always falls your way, but I also realized it's not the end of the world. You know, I had four or five years to play college football. So, you know, when I was a freshman, there were some really good players in front of me, you know, whatever I redshirted. You know, my sophomore year, I had a couple injuries, broke my finger. You know, it's kind of hard playing receiver with two broken fingers, but um at the end of the day, you know, I just realized I, when I took a step back and looked at things and, you know, analyzed myself and analyzed this team, I knew what I was capable of. And, you know, I knew that, you know, everybody has their turn and I just had to wait. And so whenever I had an opportunity, I made the most of it. And, you know, regardless of how much I played, you know, early in my career, you can ask any of my coaches, any of the opportunities that I had, you know, I blew them away with it. You know, it wasn't something that to where, um, you know, I wasn't playing well. It was just that every time I got my opportunity, you know, I, I showed out. And one of the things I always remember Coach Kelly saying to me was that, um, I think it was my junior year, he said, you know, you're too good of a player to have on the bench. Like, we have to play you. And that was, to me, that was a humbling moment for me because it means that, you know, all the hard work that I was putting in, people took advantage of, you know, for, you know, not for everybody, things happen right away. And for me, I wasn't one of those people. And I think I'm a prime example of how, you know, working towards your goal, you know, you'll always make it if you just continue to have the persistence and, you know, just really the traits to go after what you want. Yeah, that's, man, there's so much wisdom wrapped up in that. I'm taking notes over here while I'm listening to Miles speak. So I hope y'all have your pen and paper out as well, because, you know, there's so much to learn from just his persistence and, um, you know, just gravitational pull towards the grind. And I have to tell a quick story here, if you don't mind, Miles. One of the first times that that I met you, um, we were doing our SWAT meetings and there, there's summer workout accountability teams. And so within those teams, I got to be with the guys um, in small group settings twice per team over the course of the summer and we you know just did small breakout sessions on mindset development or identity development and one of those was writing down you know your goal and really the thing that you're chasing and 
you know, I remember you asking, hey, can we grab a couple minutes after after and just chat? And I asked you, well, what are you working towards? And you said, well, I, I want to be the best receiver on our team. And it, this was your junior year, right? So you were behind a guy, Equinemia St. Brown, who's an incredible receiver, um, now playing in the league as well. And, and yet, and this has nothing to do with him, but this has to do with your mindset of, I'm going to be the best receiver on this team. And, and you held on to that. Talk to me about what it takes to have that type of belief in who you are and what you're doing to say, to be that bold and audacious in your statement? Yeah, I think that um, everybody has to have a goal. If you don't want to be the best in what you're doing, then why do it? I mean, and I think that if you don't want to be the best in what you're doing, then maybe you're not doing the right thing for you. Because I mean, it wasn't even something that I had to sit back and say, you know, you know what, I want to be the best. It was just always in me. Like I, for me to say it was nothing, but it was just always, there was always that passion in me for what I do because I love what I do. Mm. And it had nothing to do with my teammates. I love my teammates to death, but sometimes when you're chasing something, you got to be selfish. You know, I love, I love my teammates, but I want to be the best on the team. Don't get that. We're winning. I'm happy, but I still want to be the best. I still want to be, you know, the person that the team leads on, leans on. But uh, yeah, like for me, like I said, you know, it was just something that was always burning inside of me. So it was to say it is one thing, but it was always in me. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to say. It. You could see it every time you look in my eyes. Anytime I stepped on the field, um, and it's kind of funny that you said because we talk a lot about being in your optimal zone. And I'm not one of the people that yells. I'm not one of those people that you know get really hyped. You know, I'm just locked in, ready to go. Like whenever I step on the field. So it's, it's kind of funny that you said because I always think about my optimal zone, optimal zone anytime I step onto the field because I know if I'm too low or I'm too high that something bad is going to happen. But if I'm in my right spot, just doing what I need to do, then I know I'm going to be good. Okay, before we dive into things that you've mentioned, like awareness and optimal zone, um, I just want to go back to this idea of capitalizing on the opportunities that you get, even if they might be minimal. And and one of those opportunities that you've capitalized on over the last couple months was the combine. I mean, you showed up and showed out. And it was it was so awesome to see because I know that wasn't a flash in the pan and a good day for you. I mean, that was the type of day that you have every day. So walk us through what mindset you took, right? Because the, the, this season of, of our podcast is called Mindset for Execution. Right, so what are what are the mindsets that it take to be able to show up and to deliver in the moment when it matters most? And so for you to go into the combine situation where it's such a high pressure, high visible um, experience, right, that really can catapult you into a lifelong dream of playing in the NFL or inhibit that opportunity. How did you do what you did on that day and deliver that type of execution in the combine setting? Yeah, absolutely. So. One of one of the things for me after the combine, when I look back at it, it was just like I was nervous, but at the same time, I was like, I don't know why I was nervous. I'm doing something I've been doing my whole life, like literally my whole life. I've been doing this, so I don't understand why I was so nervous in the situation. Maybe because of what I had on the line, but I knew what I could do and I knew what I was going to do. But before that, I think all the doubts just come from so. When you go to combine training, it's about two months of training, not knowing what you're going to do, not knowing how you're going to do it, um, not knowing what teams you're going to talk to. Um, the combine is something that's completely unique to the NFL just because, you know, you have these interviews, you meet GMs, owners. I don't think any other sport teams, you have to do that stuff. Like you have uh, hours of interviews on top of hours of interviews. You have medical exams where they check out every joint in your body. Um just the things that they put you through is exhausting because they want to see how people react to that and, and that type of uh, situation and then how they react on the field. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, luckily coming from here, um, you know, I was well prepared. You know, Bayless prepared me for all of that stuff because we he threw some stuff at us that I definitely wasn't ready for. But uh, when I got on the field, I was just, you know, looking around. I said, I just relax. I mean, this is where 
this is what it's supposed to be. This is what I want to do. This is why I love doing it. Um, it's no different than, you know, uh, someone going to a job interview. That's what I was doing. That's, that's really what it was for me. And so the most important thing for me was just stay cool, calm, and relaxed. And, you know, uh, when I got out there, I just did what I, what I, what I knew how to do. And I think that, you know, once you, we, we always want to say leave no doubts on the football field. And, you know, that's what I did. You know, I left no doubts in my mind and no doubts in any of, you know, anybody who was evaluating me is mine. Because uh, at the end of the day, you know, it was in my hands. And that's what I love about, you know, this game. It's always going to be in my hands. You know, whether or not I get the opportunity, it doesn't matter. You know, when I get my opportunity, I can put it in my hands. I think that for those of you listening, right, like even just hearing Miles speak, right, the doubts come up. That's a reality. But instead of listening to those, he talked back to them. I mean, that's self-talk that you're hearing him say right there. I'm prepared for this. I've done this my whole life. This is exactly what I want to do. I'm wired for this, right? And then it just leads to that because our thoughts affect our emotions, it affect our body's response, and that drives our performance. And so as you're thinking those things, it's calming you down. It's bringing, into you, bringing you into the present moment to actually be able to execute and deliver. And so without using right these qualitative or, or you know definitions of what was going on there, you heard that in him. And so I hope that, again, as you're listening to all these different interviews throughout the course of this season, that you're hearing this, this mindset and this self-leadership show up in these high performers, because that's what it takes to deliver your best when it matters the most. Miles, let's shift back a little bit to our work together, um, our work one-on-one, but even more so collectively. You know, you were one of the players here, and, and everybody's bought into, I think, the importance of mental training to different varying degrees, but you were one of those guys that really leaned in to what mental performance and mindset can really bring to your game. Can you just share with us your experience with that in general, and then maybe specifically some of the things that really impacted uh, your, your you personally and your game? Yeah. Yeah, so before you got here, I mean, I didn't even think about mental performance because whatever, you know, coaches say whatever they got to say. It's all about being tough. It's all about being this, all about being that. And a lot of it is that. But the other element that they don't mention is the mental part of it because they don't really know about it. Not many people know about it, actually. But I think so for me to hear some of the things that you say and like, oh, wow, she's right. Oh, wow, she's right. It took me a couple of times. But as soon as I caught on to what you were kind of saying, it just resonated with me. I don't know how to explain it, but... um, it was important to me and, you know, having, and even when we used to talk, and I mean, she'll tell you that we used to talk on the field and then sometimes it wouldn't even be about football. Sometimes it would just be about things going on in life, but it just allows you to clear your mind and focus on the things that are important to you. And then, so even when I didn't have her around during my combine training, I could hear like the, our conversations and, you know, I'm talking to myself about, you know, things that are going on. Okay, that doesn't matter. Let me put that to the side for now. Or, okay, let's focus on this. Why is this happening? Like, and it's, it's, it's really important. It's, it's like a life lesson because once you, you know, you're embedded in this process, you can't get rid of it. You know, that's why, you know, like we said, we obviously haven't talked about, you know, this stuff in months, but I'm still giving you all the terms and everything else to it just because, you know, I'm so, you know, I'm so grounded in that now because I realize how important it is, how, you know, great it makes me feel to have, go out, you know, no matter what type of day I'm having to be able to go out into the football field and just, you know, forget about stuff and just play with a clear mind. So specifically, you know, you mentioned awareness and you got to be aware before you can enhance. And you mentioned this concept of optimal zones. Talk to, what else stood out to you from the training, the things that you sort of go back to on a consistent basis that help you bring your best self to the moment, regardless of whether that's on the football field or the combine or an interview or being in the community. What were some of, and and Optimal Zone, flesh that out a little bit for some of our listeners who might've heard that for the first time and then anything else that you've really found helpful. Okay, so you gotta gotta be aware before you can enhance. Uh, 
you know what I think what's great about that is I think that each person can take their own interpretation of it. So I'll just I'll give mine. So for me, the biggest thing was realizing I don't have to be perfect to play this game. I don't have to be perfect to play in the NFL. But I do need to be aware of my weaknesses before I can enhance them to make my game better. And that goes in anything. So, um, you know, if my mind isn't where it needs to be, okay, I need to be aware of that so I can fix that. And you can't fix things that you aren't aware of. So, you know, you know, when I drop a ball, it's not going to be like, man, I dropped a ball. So why did I drop that ball? Well, you know, what caused me to drop that ball so I can fix that for the next time that it happens? So, like, my whole perspective on things have changed. It's never, you know, darn this, darn that. It's why things are happening. Why did this happen? Why did something good happen? I think it's important to even be aware of good things that are happening to you because we talk a lot about is I think it's start, stop, and continue. We, we talk about that where it's, you know, okay, what are three things you need to stop doing? What are three things you need to continue doing? What are three things you need to start doing? Because, I mean, I, think, I don't think we tell ourselves enough about the good things that we're doing. We kind of focus on the negatives, especially in football, but in life in general. So when you think about the good things that you're doing, you know, that only makes you feel better as a person. Um, optimal zone. So this was huge for me just because uh, early in my career, a lot of people thought that I didn't care about football because I didn't necessarily show you know, I was never one of those guys that's always running up, yelling down, and stuff like that. So, uh, for me, it was important when she came and talked about not everybody's optimal zone is the same. You know, some people it might be lower, so you don't need to see. I don't need to see you yelling all the time to know that this is important to you. And that's what she said to me. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I don't need to see you yelling and you know, super excited for a game because I know your optimal level isn't that. But if it's not there, like if I, if I am yelling or screaming, then I need to bring, I need to calm myself down and get back into that zone. And it can go vice versa. So guys with, you know, high optimal zones, if they're not, you know, feeling where they need to be, if they're not yelling, then maybe something's wrong with them. And that's something also you need to be aware of. Yeah, and I think, you know, there are even some of those games where, it, because again, we talk about optimal zone, right? It's, it's for a given person on a given day, there's a given level of intensity that is going to help you deliver your best. And there were some days that your optimal zone usually is lower, but it was like, hey, we need, I need you to, you need more right now. You got to bring it up a little bit because guess what? Everybody else needs you. And as a leader, that was your responsibility. And I, lo- I mean, you, you were like noted, right? Uh, Some of those sideline conversations. And so it was just incredible to see your influence as a leader to be like, okay, yeah, my optimal zone is lower. But right now, given the situation that we're all in, I I need to bring it up a little bit more. Can you talk a little bit about how you went went about actually doing that? Yeah, like I I can honestly remember games where, you know, I might have dropped the ball or, you know, I didn't make a play that I normally make like 10 times out of 10 and you just come up and hit me to say, hey, come on. All right. Yeah, I got you. I got you. (laughs) Let's go. And then it'll be fine for the rest of the game. But it just like sometimes you you need that a little bit. Even if you can't give it to yourself, that little tick in your, you know, just in your in your brain just tells you, okay, come on, like do what you always do rather than saying. I can't believe you didn't make that play. I can't believe you didn't do this. I can't believe you didn't do that. What coaches what coaches say, you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt because, yeah, you should have made the play, but it's not the end of the world. You know, I have 10 times to make that play for the rest of the game. But, uh, yeah, for me, it, it, it's all about a feel thing. And, and when I'm feeling good, I'm, I'm obviously playing good. And for me, I don't need to be one of those guys that, you know, or through the roof with my intensity just because I bring it for myself and I keep it inside of me. Um, a lot of other guys feed off of that stuff, but also I think people feed off of my calming presence at the same time because when we're in games and we're losing, people look at me and I'm, you know, chilling, just doing my thing. Be like, okay, it's going to be okay. We're going to come back. We're going to come back. And, and that's what happens more times than not. But at the same time, you got to be able to cater your energy to other people around you, which I think is huge. Yeah, and you, you again, did an incredible job doing that throughout the course of the year. I mean, I remember sometimes during games, I'm looking around and y'all are like real chill. And I'm thinking, okay, 
like we 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 got three minutes left, guys. We might want to get this done, you know. But you all are just looking at each other like we got this, we got this. And then I'm in my I'm having to self talk to myself, being like, hey, this is what we trained them for. We trained them to stay calm, cool, and collected till the very end, and just keep focusing. And you did that. Um, it was just so cool to watch last year how you guys, you know, on the sideline coached each other through it, stayed focused, never flinched. I mean that that was incredible to see. Did it feel different than years past? I mean, what was your experience like as a player in those moments? Yeah, it's um, it's funny that you say that because I think a lot about the season we went four and eight. Um, when I was a freshman, obviously we went ten and three. We had a really good season, um, but we had a lot of comeback wins in that freshman year. And you weren't here for that, but it was just like it was new to me because I was on the sideline. And I'm looking at these guys like, why are they not like, why are they acting not acting any different? Like we're winning. They're acting like we're winning the game and they're good, just chilling. We'd come back and win somehow. But like my sophomore year, we took that for granted. We just, I think we mistook like because we were freshmen, so we all took what we had from them. So maybe they had knew something that we didn't. Obviously they did, but we were sitting there, you know, we losing by two touchdowns, like chilling, whatever. And then we lose by two touchdowns. Like it, it was bad. And then I had to realize when you came in, like there's a difference between making something happen and being passive. We weren't passive at all, but we made it happen. That's why we weren't worried because we knew when we went back out there we were going to change it. I think sophomore year, it was more of just, okay, it'll happen, it'll happen. No, we made it happen these past couple of years. And that's why you didn't see us you know, as worried. We knew, we trusted our coaching. We knew we were just better than the other team. Like, I'm going to bet on myself 10 times out of 10. I know I'm going to win. You know, uh, I have no doubts in that. And that's how you should feel. That's how confident you should feel in anything that you're doing in life. Um, if you put in the preparation, then you shouldn't be worried about anything that you do. I think the doubts come in. You always have some doubts, but I think the doubts really come in when you say, okay, I'm not prepared. Oh, I didn't do this the right way. I didn't do that the right way. When you take shortcuts. But for me, I, we didn't take any shortcuts this season. So I was always confident when we stepped onto the field. Yeah, I think that you hit it there, right? That preparation thing. And we were talking a little mm -hmm. bit before we started recording here and just saying how, you know, I, last season flew by and I felt like we were all just so in the moment, like in present every day, in every practice, in every game. And, and it just it, it sort of flashed by. Talk to us about your consistency in your preparation, because I think that that's one of the things that I, I'm most impressed about you is every day you show up with a mindset to get better and to be present. Um, why is that so important for you? Uh, because I realized that there's certain things you have to do that you don't like to make it to where you want it to be. Like, don't get me wrong. I definitely didn't want to come out to practice every day and run, uh, you know, a mile and <laughs> do all the things that receivers have to do. <clears throat> but for me, it was, you know, the angle. Like, I knew what this preparation was doing. So even if I went out and I didn't have a good practice day, it's not like I was giving 20% of my effort. I was going to give 100% of my effort. You know, maybe things just didn't fall my way. Maybe I didn't catch a couple balls. Maybe I ran the wrong route. But it was never, you know, something that, you know, I didn't feel like being out here, so I'm not going to do this. It was more of, I was always... I was never just going through the motions, if that makes sense. I was always doing what I needed to do to get better. And even, you know, for me, like if I drop a couple of balls, like fine, whatever. I know I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna catch them in the game. You know, this is just practice. But at the same time, it wasn't like I was running, you know, my route at, at a half speed because I didn't feel like running. Mm -hmm. Or even like I'll exhaust myself in practice so that it doesn't happen in the game. So even if, you know, maybe I'm not as fast as I am in practice, it's because my legs are tired because I'm running so hard. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so for me, it was more about the angle, always the angle, and that's what I've always been focused on. Just because um, to be in the moment, 
you have to take advantage of every opportunity that you have, whether it's at practice, um, whether it's going to practice, even in the meetings, which is huge for me just because um, obviously I love my receiver coach, but our meetings were great. Um, he always told us what we needed to do and why we needed to do it and how we're going to do it. So you need to have a plan before you even go out and execute the smallest of things. And that's something I've always taken with me. Man, so good, so good. I hope you are taking notes because this is not just about execution, right? Well, it is, it's absolutely all about execution. But what I think more than any other interview than we've had this season on this podcast is the ability to execute is directly related to the daily habits that you weave into your life. And that is what I hear over and over in you. It's about the belief, it's about the self-talk, it's about um, showing up in those moments and knowing that you've put in the type of work, not just work, but the the focused, disciplined work to be able to deliver in that moment. One other thing that I've found, all elite performers that I've worked with, they've made transitions well. You know, they've shifted well from being um, a redshirt freshman to being sort of the third or second or third guy to then being the guy, right? And to now shift into the NFL. What can you offer our listeners in terms of your mental and emotional approach to those transitions in in life and roles? Yeah, uh I think it's important, once again, to be aware so you can enhance. So what I'm going to be aware of, I'm a rookie. Um, this is my first time doing this. Uh, I, was, I realize that there's veterans on my team, there's veteran receivers, <clears throat> but they brought me in for a reason. You know, They brought me in because they obviously want me to play receiver there. So uh, that's important to be aware of as well. So the biggest thing for me is that I'm not a veteran. You know, I don't know everything about playing life or playing football in the NFL, but I know a couple of things. I know I'm going to outwork people. Um, I know my skill set, <clears throat> and I know that you know I'm going to give it my all. And I think those three things is what I'm going to be able to do. I know I'm smart as well too, so I'm going to come in and learn the playbook. And rookie minicamp, you know, I probably learned the playbook the best out of anybody that was there, uh, besides the quarterbacks, obviously, because they got to know everything. But um, uh, for me, it's just it's about you know it's about the process. You know, I realize when you come into the NFL, they're drafting a rookie who's going up against six, seven guys who've been playing the years for you know eight been playing the league for eight years. So for me, it's all about, you know, realizing that and recognizing that, okay, they're going to be better than me at first, but I have to work and I have to work at a quick pace to get up to where I need to be with them and eventually, you know, like overtake them. But that's why they brought me in. So I think that's one of the coolest things for me is that they had, they could have picked anybody in the country to play for them and they picked me. They could have picked any receiver, they picked me and they picked me for a reason. So that gives me more confidence than you could ever imagine. And even in my case, they traded away two picks to come and get me. So it's it's really humbling and it's really cool because I know that they have a plan for me. I know what they want me to do and I know that you know they're not gonna let me succeed. I'm not gonna let myself fail. They're gonna make me succeed and I'm gonna make myself succeed uh, just in the tools that I have, you know, the knowledge that I have. And I think that just, you know, the, the things that I can bring to a team is what makes me stand out. So in this transition, the things that I'm focusing most is uh, really just being, you know, a complete player. You know, I gotta know my playbook. I, I know I'm gonna make mistakes, but I can't make mistakes that, you know, that someone in my position shouldn't be making. You know, I'm gonna make regular mistakes. Um, and then I also, you know, at the same time, I want to, I want to show my maturity on the field. You know, I want to be able to go out there and, you know, do what veterans are doing. I want to take notes from them because I think that the biggest thing is looking at people who came before you and, you know, kind of just imitating them. I'm going to talk to Equinemius and see, you know, what's up with him, uh, see how I can do some of the things better. But, uh, yeah, really, it's just all about, you know, knowing your place and knowing how you can get to the next level, which is what I'm working on now. So within that, right, like hear the humility 
in his voice. I mean, that, you know, you want to be the best. You're working to be the best, but you know your place in this and you want to learn from other people. I mean, again, the number one way that we as humans learn is by observing others, you know? And if we look around at mediocrity, guess what we're learning to be? Freaking mediocre. And what I've loved about you is that you've looked for excellence, you've modeled excellence, and then you've been the model of excellence. And you're just going to continue to do that. I think the other thing, you know, important I just want to pull out and highlight for our listeners is that you're focused on your strengths. You know, what 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 part of your identity can you bring to the table that can have an impact? And we talk a lot about here at ND, right? The man under the jersey and and what that means is that the man under the jersey is always going to outperform the performer, right? Like Miles Boykin, the man, is always going to be bigger, faster, stronger than just than just Miles Boykin, the football player, right? Because there's depth to that, there's an intensity to that that is so grounded um, that that is that helps those transitions happen in your favor. Yeah, actually one of the things you said is big like we didn't talk about this and I wish I would have I wish I would have told you this but um when you said um that you know I can bring different things to the table and just you know when we look around ourselves if we always see is mediocrity then that's where we're going to be mediocre. One of the biggest things for me and this was something that I learned without you just because of our thinking, but I was like people are always like wow, Ma. I was like you're just you know you're different, you think different, blah blah, you're this. I was like, well, that makes sense because if I wanted to be the same as everybody else, I would do the same as everybody else. But I'm different because I want to be different. So if you don't think different, you're never going to be different from anybody else. And it's kind of, it gets deeper than that just because if you want to do what society always tells you to do, then you're never going to break outside of that box and be your own person. So if you think different, you will be a different person. Totally, right? Because our thoughts build mindsets and mindsets change the form and function of our brain. And and we talked early on too, right? About like, and I got this from the Pittsburgh Pirates, their mental coach, uh, Bernie Holiday, right? He always said like, you know, by definition, champions are not average. They fall outside of the average bell curve. And so if we want to be champions, then we have to be courageous enough to be different you know, courageous enough to think differently, act differently, lead differently, show up differently. What was that like for you? Because because in that is courage, right? Like the, the, the audacity to be different and courageous enough to step outside of, of the norm. How did you lean into that type of courage? Yeah, uh, it's funny just because I literally look at things now just to do to be different. Like I, re- I really do. So like I'll be out on the field and they're doing things one way, you know, not like, it could be as much as like stretching, like, okay, maybe they're not taking the stretch serious. I'm going to take it serious. Or something like, you know, uh, it'll be a Saturday night and everybody wants to go out and drink. Okay, well, cool. Like, I'm going to just chill. You know, I'm going to play video games. It just literally, it's anything that in your life that you look to make a difference can help long term, you know, and, I, and I've realized that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not big in what a lot of guys love, like even video games. Like everybody loves to play Fortnite. No, I just play Call of Duty. Like it's, it's so funny just because I look at my life and I, I realize, you know, how when I came in to college and I was very similar to people, now that I'm leaving, I'm very different. And I like, I like what I'm becoming. I like that I'm different than people. I like the, the adversity that I faced. Um, I like that, you know, you know, any given day, my day is going to be different than someone else's because of the choices I make. And it's really cool to step back. And that's what I, that's what I would say this about this too. Like on your journey, when you look back at the person you used to be versus the person you are now, you'll see some really cool things and some really cool changes that you've made and why you're starting to be successful in what you do. Because it's, it's long, it's a long process. But when you get to reflect on what you did, uh, 
it's great. I mean, there, there's, there's nothing better than that. And I think that she'll tell you sitting here looking at me, like you said, she's watched me grow over these past couple of years. And, you know, even where I'm going to go, she'll probably tell you that she's extremely proud of me. And then, you know, nobody knows what's in store for you. Um, so the fact that, you know, people have made it this far is just truly humbling to me. And just that, you know, I think that we have the output that we have to put to get what we want in return is tremendous, but it's all worth it in the end. I'm getting the chills sitting here. I feel like such a proud little mental coach. Um, and, and it is. I, I've watched you grow a ton. What I'm most excited about is the, the next year and the year after that and who you're going to continue to grow into. As a football player, absolutely. You know I care about that for you and I want it for you because that's what you want. But even more, I'm excited to watch you grow as a man, as a leader, as an influencer, as a husband and a father one day, if that's in the cards for you and when what you choose to do. Um, but it's going to continue to keep getting better and better because that's how you're wired and that's how you're going to continue to choose to live your life, right? Because it's all choice. And and like we just heard you say, I mean, you make those choices on a moment by moment basis every day. Well, we're getting to about time here. So I want though, I want to hear from you. What is some mindset training? So we talk all the time about, listen, if you want to be a champion, you got to do the things that champions do. And champions have, they train their minds, right? So if you could give our listeners some championship mindset training that they can be doing to help build their own championship mindset and this mindset for execution, what would that be, Miles? Yeah. I think the, the first thing would be self-talk. Uh, learn how to talk to yourself in a way that helps you, not negatively, you know, uh, Always telling yourself what you can't do is never going to work. And I remember, you know, us having these conversations. Uh, only tell yourself what you can do or what you're going to do. You can't tell yourself what you can't going to do because then you're not going to do it. Um, everybody talks to themselves negatively, but you got to learn how to, you know, minimize that and not give into it and give into what you want. Uh, I think that's that's a big thing for me. Second is habits. Build the habits that you want to have for the rest of your life. You don't have to be perfect at them, but you need to build them. You know, I think people in this organization will tell you I was a pro long before I got drafted. You know, I was, you know, taking care of my work, doing what I needed to do, staying out of trouble, um, and just acting like a professional on and off the field before I even was a pro. You can't just flip the switch when you get to a certain point because it's there. You have to make habits and work at it every day. I was, you know, I wasn't a perfect pro, but I was working on being a perfect pro. And now that I am a pro, I just have to continue refining that and working on it. But I already have the base to do that. You know, some guys are doing it for the first time and they're thinking, wow, like I don't know how to do this and they're going to struggle with that. That's another thing I don't have to worry about my performance because I know I have that taken care of. I'm just focused on football now. If you want to be a pro, be a pro right? Don't talk about it, be about it. We, we say that all the time. And as you be about it, you become it, right? And like you said, Miles was a pro long before he got drafted. And the Ravens are a very blessed and fortunate organization because they're getting an incredible football player, but they're getting an even better man. Miles, congratulations on everything. You just finished his last final yesterday. Super proud of you for that as well. Going to be a graduate from the University of Notre Dame and third round draft pick and, and just going on to do incredible things. So congratulations. Thank you for who you are, for the model that you put in front of all of us, not just your teammates, but your coaches and staff as well. So thanks for being with us today. No, thank you for having me and thank you for, you know, all the tips and training. It's not going to stop here, bud. We're in this together. <laughs>Well, hopefully at the end of this interview, you were able to see why I was so excited to sit down with Miles. 
Man, I got the chills multiple times. And I know I'm biased because, again, I've had a front row seat to his development to, to watch him interact with his teammates, his coaches, his professors, the community, um, and really get to take the teachings that we integrated into Notre Dame football, into how he functions as a man, as, a, as an athlete. But it never ceases to amaze me where he's at in his development because, you know, you can get all the teaching and training in the world, but if you don't own it, it just doesn't matter. And I can't wait to continue to watch his career unfold because he deserves everything he has coming for him. So hopefully you enjoyed today. Hopefully you took as many notes as I did. And hopefully you can apply that to building your own mindset for execution. Listen, if there's any way that we can come alongside of you here at the Selkie Performance Group, we would love to. Um, from keynote speaking um, to, to, to one-on-one performance coaching with someone on our performance coaching team, again, reach out. Hit me up with an email directly at amber at Selkie performance.com. And this has been your host, Dr. Amber Selking. And from the locker room to the boardroom, I just want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset.